Welcome to the Darkened Doorway podcast, your doorway to everything crimey, murdery and weird. Darklings and welcome back to the Darkened Doorway. So today we'll be talking about Malcolm Naden. And just a warning for our Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander listeners, this episode contains the name and some images on our social media pages of deceased First Nations people who were the victims and family members of Malcolm, one of Australia's most notorious killers. This episode we will also be talking about murder, child abuse, sexual assault, animal cruelty, necrophilia and the desecration of the deceased. Now, many Australians might be familiar with Malcolm. He was pretty notorious in the 2000s because of his long-standing evasion of the police after the brutal murder of a young girl in his community and his Ned Kelly-esque ability to stay on the run in the harsh Australian bushland, which led to one of Australia's longest manhunts in history. Born on November 5th, 1973, Naden grew up in a small rural town of Dubbo in New South Wales, which is about four hours from Sydney. There is a large population of First Nations people there, about one-fifth of the population. He lived a relatively quiet life, being called a loner and didn't seem to make many friends. He had a few jobs but didn't really stay in them for very long. Primarily, he was a shearer and an abattoir worker. Interestingly, his father and brother were on an Australian TV show where it depicted the life of the early colonisers and they were employed as extras to shear sheep using the traditional hand clippers. Right, as this is quite a rare talent. Sorry, side tangent. That is a bit of a weird tangent. I had no idea that he (laughs) even had brothers or a father. I mean, I guess, okay, that's dumb. He definitely had a father. (laughs) (laughs) Don't mind me. Malcolm lived with his grandparents after leaving home as a teenager. Apparently his father was quite hard on him. He grew up with his extended family, including his many aunties and loving grandparents and cousins, swimming and playing in the river together until his criminal activities escalated, thrusting him into the national spotlight. In May 2004, Malcolm Naden was linked to the aggravated indecent assault of a teenage girl in Dubbo while he was staying at their home. The young girl woke to Naden's hand down her pants. Yuck. Unfortunately, this wasn't reported to police initially. However, it was apparently reported to a welfare caseworker at the time. That yeah, makes my skin not, crawl. Not nice. It was apparently a friend's house as well and they allowed him to stay over. Not nice at all. Oh, not okay. On the 4th of January 2005, Letitia Nolan was dropping off some of her children to her grandparents' house for the night. Letitia had recently purchased a car, a blue station wagon, so she could fit all of her four beautiful children in comfortably. Her youngest was one and her eldest was almost six years old. Letitia was 24 years old and she was Malcolm Naden's cousin. They had grown up together, although Naden was a little older. Letitia was inside talking to her kids and grandparents when she heard an impatient tooting on her car horn. She said to her kids that she would be back in a sec, but that is the last time they saw her. Naden was sitting out the front on the porch and he asked if she could take him to the river so he could go fishing. She agreed, and it wasn't unusual for her to give people rides as she was very generous. 
He hopped in the back of the car behind Letitia because apparently there was stuff on the front seat. See, this is why I used to get in trouble for picking up hitchhikers. Yeah, don't do it. Even if you know them. No no rides, people. No rides. No. Mm -mm. Personal bubble space. <laughs> so while they drove the short distance to Sandy Beach on the Macquarie River, Letitia asked Malcolm about the rumour of him assaulting the young girl. Once Letitia pulled over near Sandy Beach, Malcolm reached over the seat and strangled her to death because he was annoyed she had asked him about the assault. Seems reasonable. <sighs> He then drove the car to a more remote area near the river and dismembered and disemboweled her body, then buried her near the river's edge. He threw away the car seat covers as they were covered in blood, then wiped all surfaces down and apparently removed all fingerprints and evidence from the car, and then abandoned it near a bridge where he could escape unnoticed. No one had seen Malcolm get into the car with Letitia, so I guess at least he was forward-thinking. Was he, though? It, it seemed, it was very spontaneous. He just, oh. yeah, it was an accident. You'll see down further in his, in his confession, there's stuff that's coming up that will make you, make you very uncomfortable about this particular thing. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. I'm already uncomfortable. I, I would like to skip this entire episode, but I'm not allowed, am I? No, you're not allowed. <laughs> no, you need to be here with me. <laughs> I just, I, the fact that he like just, oh, I'm just going to randomly disembowel someone on a Saturday night. Yeah. No, no. That, that's not a normal activity. No. And they said he was very meticulous in wiping down all of the surfaces when they found the car abandoned. There was no fingerprints or anything. He was me very meticulous. See, that's why I, at the moment, at least, I think he might have like planned it because who actually thinks of that after you've just disemboweled someone? Mm, yeah. Weird. No, it's... Mm. Anyway. Not good. Letitia's body wasn't found until 12 years later in 2017 at Butler's Fall near Dubbo. My God. Her family didn't know what had happened to her for seven years until Naden confessed and was convicted of her murder. In an article in the Daily Telegraph, her kids talk about the anguish of not knowing where her body was and her family said that every time they heard about some found human remains, they were hopeful that it was Letitia. How messed up is that for them? That is so sad. I know. Oh, imagine that. <laughs> and when they finally did find the bones, there was only a few, there was only a few bits of Letitia left. At least it gave the family the ability to do a traditional burial ceremony for her and they gave them somewhere to mourn. But still, it was only it was only one or two bones. It wasn't very much at all. And he was an abattoir worker as well. Is that right? Yeah. Do you see a bit of a theme here? <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. That's not yes. okay. No, no. And he... he the reason, the thing I'm about to say is really uncomfortable. Um, and he admits this in a confession later where he actually snapped Letitia's <gasps> spine in half to oh. break a bone up into smaller pieces. Nope. Um, nope. So it was nope. much easier to bury. Nope. Like, nope. It, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no. How do you even do that? Like physically, no. that would take some serious strength because of all the, the tendons and the muscles and uh, and what is wrong with him? No, I know. I know. It's horrendous. Mm. You know what is really sad about this is that to the family, Letitia just disappeared. 
It wasn't strange for her to stay overnight at her boyfriend's place, but when her car was found, the family knew something was wrong. She just disappeared to them. She, they didn't know that Malcolm had gotten in the car with her. They didn't know where she'd gone. She just disappeared. And they had nothing. They were told nothing for yeah, seven wow. years. Imagine that. And I mean, wasn't he like tooting at her from the car? It's such a shame no one looked out the window. Mm. Anyway, in June 2005, Malcolm offended again by ambushing his cousin's partner and neighbour, a 24-year-old mother of two young kids, Christy Scholes. He choked her in the bathroom of his grandparents' house until she died and then took her body to his room where he raped her body, then redressed her and hid her under the bedclothes. He locked and blocked off the bottom of his door with a towel and left through the window. Mm. So I read through his confession and the reason why he popped her onto the bed under the bedclothes was so that she was comfortable. I don't want to know. Yeah, no, no. So she was comfortable Uh because he said she looked like a doll. Right. And looked Mm, peaceful. That's not okay. No. Mm. No. Mm. He described her looking the most peaceful that anybody had ever, ever been. This whole case just makes me yicky. Mm-hmm. And apparently that towel was actually supposed to reduce the odour of her body as it decomposed. I don't feel like a towel is going to be enough. Yeah, he was hoping that nobody would find her because his door was locked. <laughs> and it was quite common for him to go in and out of that window, like lock the door and pop out the window and go and do things. But I'll get back to that in a sec. Malcolm, you do nothing normal. No. Malcolm? Don't worry. It gets better. Mm -hmm. Great. Better? Better is the word? No, better is not the word. No. No. (laughs) All right. Strap in. (laughs) So. Oh, God. (laughs) Her kids were actually in the house when he did all of this to Christy. So Christy and her partner Reg, which is Naden's cousin, and their kids were staying there because they were getting their house painted and they lived next door. Her grandparents had gone to Sydney because granddad was having a triple bypass surgery, so the house was sort of empty. It was discovered that Christy was missing two days later when one of her children climbed out the window and found her uncle who lived in a granny flat nearby. She said that she couldn't find mummy. Oh, baby. I know. (laughs) I know. And when the family discovered she was missing, no one looked in Naden's bedroom initially as it was locked uh, until the police actually knocked down the door and found her body at 1am. At this point, Naden had a very big head start. So those babies were like sitting in that house for like how long? Mm -hmm. With no Two days. Two days. With no food or water. No, and her youngest, the, the her youngest son, was filthy apparently and really distraught when um when they came to find him. Oh, that's horrible. No, no, the whole thing is really horrible. I feel so terrible for their children. Yeah, it's horrid. So, Christy had complained about receiving creepy sexual letters from Naden. She had even sent him a message asking him to stop. They also discovered that he had drilled peep holes all over the roof of Naden's grandparents' house, above bedrooms and the bathroom, where it is alleged that he would sit there and spy on people in the house like a total creeper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There, was, <laughs> there was minimal dust in the roof space around the holes, so that kind of suggested that he was regularly using them. 
just to be even creepier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he had probably been stalking Christy and knew she was alone when he struck. He had become more reclusive and weird since Letitia had gone missing and generally just locked himself in his room and would leave by the window regularly. And his grandparents often resorted to leaving plates of food at his door. <laughs> I know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just to add to this great normal behaviour, he was actually an avid Bible reader, up until this point at least. Um, and then he'd switched to true crime novels. Hey, no judgment there. <laughs> and survival guides. Also, no judgment because those are fun. But by the time Christy was found, Naden had had a huge head start and he now had the tools to help him out. The family chose not to tell the grandparents of Christy's death and that Malcolm potentially was involved until the grandfather was more stable and on the mend. Once they were told, they abandoned the family home that they had lived in for most of their lives. They just up and left. They just couldn't bear the thought of going back to that home. Was there any other reason or was it literally they just couldn't bear being there? Somebody died in the in there and they just oh. couldn't be there. Oh, my God. That would have been horrible. It's like your, your safe place the just heartbreak. completely ruined. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The heartbreak of it all. So Malcolm was actually hiding in the Dubbo area initially and spent quite a bit of time at Dubbo Zoo, which is called the Western Plains Zoo, where he hid in the roof spaces and created peepholes again because apparently he's super handy with that drill. <laughs> he hid in the manager's roof and would listen to his conversations. One day when the manager had gone out, Malcolm actually came down from the roof and into the cottage where he helped himself to the kitchen as he'd been doing and actually went and had a shower. So apparently Carol, the cleaner, disturbed him as he was getting out of the shower and she asked who he was and he said he was a friend from Sydney and he was staying a few days. Then he asked Carol to hand him a towel, which Carol (laughs) did, and then she left. Lucky Carol, seriously. (laughs) I'm like, oh yeah, hey, yeah, you're definitely a normal person that is, here, Uh have a towel. Would you like some Mm -hmm. like fluffy robes? What? Carol, you're either ballsy as or the luckiest woman in Australia. (laughs) So Carol later mentioned the encounter to the site manager and said that she had met Dave from Sydney who was staying with him. You know, Dave? (laughs) Um, the site manager did have a friend called Dave from Sydney, but he wasn't visiting and he didn't know who the man she was talking about was. Malcolm had been listening to the site manager's conversations on the phone while he had been speaking to his friend. So he was pretty quick thinking and came up with that lie to Carol on the fly. And that was in December, 2005. Did that rhyme? (laughs) Possibly it rhymed a little. (laughs) I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. (laughs) So Malcolm raided the animal food from the prep kitchens at the zoo, including the bananas from the elephants. He raided garbage bins and found like loaves of bread and all sorts of things. And he also raided the cottages where the guests and the staff were staying. Food's probably better. Yeah. He apparently even killed and ate some of the zoo animals, including a Galapagos or maybe it was an Aldabran tortoise. Same, same. Same, same, but not really. (laughs) Um, Which he allegedly killed. (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm a bit of a zoo nerd. I literally don't even know what an Aldebaran tortoise is. Aldabran. Aldabran. That one. Yeah, that one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone knows what a Galapagos is. Yeah. Thanks to David Attenborough. Sponsor us, David. Mm. (laughs) So, sorry, you were saying? 
he apparently killed the tortoise by biting off its head and then he ate its insides. Like, pew, pew, pew. it was just, no. No. And I ha- look, I have so many questions about no. this. Those things are really tough, like really tough. I need to know whether it was a small one or a big one. I'm really hoping it was little. Anyway, I digress. But surely there's more humane ways of killing an animal. Seriously. Like, seriously. I have questions about parasites. And you might know the answer to this. (laughs) Wouldn't that have been full of potential parasites that humans couldn't really combat? Look, zoos have very good parasite control, so it might have been a safe choice. But still, salmonella is, you know, there's no preventatives for that. You can't even eat chicken no. raw. Why would you eat a tortoise raw? That's... Maybe use the barbecue. I can't, I cannot get um, the <laughs> actual details. I tried to find this poor tortoise's name, you know, whether it was big or small. Like, these things live for hundreds of years and they're like kind of endangered. Isn't this how but, pandemics start? Yeah. Yes, potentially. <laughs> Very true. Too soon? <laughs> this was before we learned things. Yep. <sighs> so Malcolm was almost caught in the zoo, but he escaped and went on the run in bushland, where he survived by stealing and opportunistic hunting. There were reports of neatly slaughtered kangaroos in the area where Malcolm had been sighted. Malcolm later admitted to surviving on porcupines, goannas, and kangaroos. <laughs> porcupines, I know. It gives me the giggles. We don't have porcupines oh. in Australia, everybody. <laughs> They're echidnas. Just saying. Yeah, and, and who doesn't know that? Mm, I don't... I've never seen a porcupine. No. Because I'm in Australia. Mm, porcupines are pretty cute. They've got some in at um, Dubbo Zoo, just so you know. Oh, adorbs. <laughs> yeah, I know. You need to pat them now. No, you don't. On their little nose. And I will love them. And I will call Mm, them my squishy. (laughs) Okay, so while Malcolm was on the run, he broke into multiple properties and he also spied on women, even sending one of them a creepy note. The woman he sent the note to had heard him trying to break into a cabin on a few occasions, but the door had held. He left a note saying, nice moles. And the moles he was referring to were only visible when she was, like, naked or in her underwear. I think she avoided not being one of his victims. Like, seriously, that was... Mm. And also, that's a really judgy note. Like, dude. (laughs) Well, he might have been being complimentary. No, I see your face. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm giving you the look right now. Yep. <laughs> so he also stole multiple guns and ammunition. Seriously, people, lock up your guns. Like gun laws in Australia, they ha- things have to be locked up, and I don't know how he managed to arm himself with so many weapons. When I looked through the list of the amount of guns and other fun things that he stole, there was more than one property with a gun just laying around that he got his hands on. Like god. Wow. I mean, I I have a gun for my uh, work, but it's locked up and the ammunition is in a separate safe. That's the way it's supposed to be. The idea of having a gun just laying around is weird to me. I know. Not, not okay. So he stole some weird things, like he stole a DVD player at one point. In the bush, for living in the bush. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, he wanted to watch Mamma Mia, okay? 
you let him express himself through music. Okay. All right. I want you to think about him doing that. (laughs) But the rest was food and camping gear mainly. There is also talk that he stole and abandoned a number of cars to get to the Barrington Tops area. There were also sightings at Lightning Ridge where he was apparently looking for opals because, you know, (laughs) hobbies, important. Um, There were also many rumours, too, that he liked dressing up as a woman so he could attend a local Indigenous festival. He was seen at a pub and picked up as a hitchhiker. One place he broke into, he jumped in... (laughs) Fucking hell. One place he broke in... (laughs) Really? (laughs) This has broken me. (laughs) One place he broke into, he jumped onto their computer and looked up porn. Because, you know, it gets lonely on the run. Yeah, but look, do you think that maybe the owner of that computer said to the police (laughs) that, yes, it was Naden when they reviewed the search history? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't me, sir. Once you're off. (laughs) (laughs) He kept coming back every Saturday morning. Uh... (laughs) Nice save, Malcolm. Nice save. Nice save. (laughs) His wife would have been giving him some serious side eye. 100%. Yep. (laughs) Oh, yes. Someone broke in, you say. Yes. And they were looking up all of Uh these things, you say. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Anyway. It was for science. Mm. For science. In January 2007, police offer a $50,000 reward for information leading to Naden's arrest. It is the first bounty offered for a wanted man since the Kelly Gang's crime spree in the 1870s. Wow. Detectives ask for the public's help, warning that Naden is dangerous and not to be approached. In October 2010, a pig hunter stumbled across what is believed to be one of Dayton's campsites, deep in the bush in the Barrington Tops. And on the 20th of February 2011, police doubled the reward being offered for Malcolm's capture to $100,000. Then Police Minister Michael Daly said he hoped the reward would encourage people to come forward. Malcolm's fingerprints and DNA had been found in a number of properties where there had been thefts also. The 7th of December 2011, police launch a major operation to try to capture Naden. After the discovery of the fugitive's campsite at Nowandock, north of Barrington Tops, and this is a really dense area of bushland. It's almost rainforest dense terrain. Mm. During the operation, Malcolm shoots a senior constable through the shoulder with a self-loading rifle. Reports say that Malcolm was aiming for the officer's heart, but the officer moved just in time and was struck in the shoulder. Naden admits to aiming to kill. Yeah, I feel like that's just him being like, oh, yeah, I, was, I, I wasn't actually aiming to kill. I, I'm such a great shot. Like, yeah, yeah, sure, Malcolm, we believe you. There's a little bit of controversy around this incident, as it is alleged that the police officers shouldn't have approached when they did and may have ruined another department's effort to apprehend Malcolm. There is mention of a tracking device in one of the sleeping bags that was planted at the property that he was known to steal from. The shooting sent shockwaves through the law enforcement community and the public at large. While the shooting of the police officer was a tragic event, it ultimately strengthened the resolve of law enforcement agencies to bring Malcolm to justice. Police raised the reward to $250,000. It's personal now. 
Yeah, they do get cranky when you shoot one of their own. Mm-hmm. So on the 22nd of March 2012, after nearly seven years on the run, Malcolm is arrested in a dramatic operation in the bushland near Gloucester in the Upper Hunter. Malcolm Naden was caught by police during a midnight raid on a remote property at Rodenvale, west of Gloucester. Police had rigged up hidden cameras in the bush and tracked Malcolm before his capture. Armed officers, helicopters, dog squad and some military descended on the remote hut. They surrounded the hut and Naden put up a short fight and Chuck, the police dog, took him down by biting him on the calf and holding him down while police cuffed him. <laughs> Go Chuck! I love Chuck. Police found loaded weapons in the hut. One thing I don't understand is why Chuck bit him on the back of the calf though. Do you think Chuck got a bit of a chew in after Malcolm was face down in the dirt? <laughs> I think so. Just saying. Police dogs don't tend to bite people on the calf. It's usually like upper arm to take them down so they can't do the punchy punch or the, you know, stabby stabby or the shooty shooty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I think we can all love Chuck. Now, unfortunately, Chuck has actually since passed away, so he wasn't available for comment. I was pleased to hear that the wound did break down, though, on Malcolm's leg and needed to be restitched, yes. which was fun. Yes. Go, Chuck. Well done, Chucky. He was a beautiful black German Shepherd too, like a stunning looking dog. Aww. I'll pop the photos up of him. He's beautiful. Another report that I had read said that it was like Naden was relieved and surrendered calmly. Maybe Chuck just had a little nibble for funsies. <laughs> I'm really worried about that. Poor Chuck wasn't appropriately vaccinated though for whatever Malcolm might have been carrying after his time on the run eating porcupines and tortoises innards there is not a vaccine strong enough in this world no those porcupines mm. my goodness so when he was caught he said he would kill again because once you've killed once it's easy to do it again his words initially he wouldn't speak to police officers and they then decided to allow him to write down his thoughts prompted by a few questions in his cell which turned into a 25 page written confession good work mm -hmm. give him crayolas and look what they do <laughs> I believe the police officers were surprised at his eloquence in writing, however. They were also shocked by what he had written and how detached he was about each of the killings. He said he was relieved that he'd been caught as he felt he would kill again because it was easy. He also said he was also relieved that the police dog bit him because it allowed him to feel yeah. again for a little while. Bit dramatic. One of the things that shook me was this part of his confession about the murder of his cousin. Naden said that it was just luck that he got into the car with Letitia that night. If she was a few minutes earlier or later, he would have missed her and she could still be alive today. Oh, well, that sucks. I know, I know. He said, Paul Letitia didn't even see it coming. She didn't know death was travelling with us and that it would take her that night. I still can't believe it. This really is the first time I've had to think about it. I don't dwell on it much, probably just as well. I wish I could feel some sort of emotion, but I can't, Naden wrote. I sat in the back briefly, just looking at her. She was so peaceful, so quiet, so empty. I've never seen a body so relaxed, not even in sleep. She crossed from life to death in an instant. She was just gone. I wanted her to say something, to speak again, maybe even just a movement, but death makes no sounds. Wow. It has no movement. It is final. So as part of his confession, having spent 
years reflecting on the night he became a killer, Malcolm references the Bible, Adam and Eve, and the original sin. He then details how he disemboweled and dismembered Miss Nolan's body. He really, really, really is a monster. I don't remember that part of the Bible with the story of Adam and Eve. Maybe I need a refresher. (laughs) Maybe. Like, I'm pretty sure that's not in there, but okay. He said in his confession that Mm -hmm. he wanted to be locked up and was relieved when he got a life sentence and he never wanted to be released. He later said that he'd made up extra stuff to really make sure he was locked away for life. So he now resides in Goulburn's Supermax prison with some of Australia's extra special criminals. Remember too that the family still didn't know if Malcolm had killed Letitia until Malcolm's confession. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, his grandmother had died in 2006. Some say of a broken heart after losing so much. Imagine the relief and horror they must have felt. So many emotions after years and years of torture for them over her disappearance. On the 14th of April 2012, Malcolm was escorted from Goulburn Correctional Centre to Dubbo, where he assisted police by identifying a site at Butler's Fall, south of Dubbo. It was suspected that the remains of his cousin Letitia Nolan were buried at the site, but no remains had been found at the time. The area had been subjected to several floods over the years also. In early December 2016, police disclosed that remains had been found at a location near the site investigated years earlier. DNA testing confirmed that they belonged to Miss Nolan. From my understanding, it was just a single bone belonging to Letitia. And after that amount of time, like, there would have been wild pigs out there. There would have been all sorts of animals to scatter what was left. So it's amazing they even found that. Yeah. In 2013, Malcolm pled guilty to 18 offences, including the murders of Skulls and Nolan. He received a minimum prison sentence of 21 years for Nolan's murder, but was given a life sentence for the murder of Skulls. Other charges included the attempted murder of a police officer in 2011, breaking and entering offences, and the indecent assault of a 12-year-old girl. Justice Derek Price said Naden had shown no remorse and there was a high risk he would re-offend because he had threatened to kill again, stating that life outside of prison is not an option for you. Malcolm, in response to this, said, thank you, Your Honour, after the sentence was handed down. So, a kind of fun ending for this one is that on the 24th of November 2013, while serving out his sentence, Malcolm was bashed by his second cousin, Dean Nolan, a relative of Letitia, who was serving out a 24-year sentence at the time. Oh, what did he do? Yeah, he was serving time for the vicious bashing and murder of a young boy. He's, oh. he's not a model citizen either. He is not amazing. Mm-mm. 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 No. But, you know, a little bit of amazing was that he, armed with the handle of a sandwich toaster that they had in prison, attacked Malcolm, cracking several blows to Malcolm's head before being apprehended by prison staff. A plus for creativity on the toaster handle, I say. He was given another 12 months on his 24 years service for the attack. And he said the attack was for the retribution for the family. Which is fair. 
I think he also mm. demonstrates some MacGyver-like skills finding a weapon in prison, but I don't know if that's a very – I guess that's a common thing, but I don't know. I don't hang out in prisons that often. There is definitely some creativity in prison. And the toaster handle, I think, was, you know, pretty mm. pretty clever. I don't know if I would have thought of that one. No, and I bet you – Everybody is a bit annoyed because they've probably just got bread now and not toast. <laughs> yeah, you'd be pretty dirty about that. Mm-hmm. So I've heard that Malcolm Naden um, has been described as an expert bushman and survivalist, almost like he's some kind of hero, and he's, he's kind of been held up like a modern-day Ned Kelly. But the reality is he's a weird loner, murderer, and sexual predator that's stolen hid in the Australian bush, and he'll be locked up in a maximum security prison for the rest of his life. He destroyed and tortured his family and took the lives of two beautiful women and the mothers of six children. And of course, let's not forget his first assault victim and the many people that were terrorised by his creepy peeping and thefts. You'd never feel safe again. No way. Letitia and Christie's family spoke out about sleeping with knives under their pillows in case he came back. They were just terrified. Such a terrifying way to live. Our hearts go out to them and hope they have found some peace now. Well, Darklings, thanks for joining us again today. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Insta and TikTok at the Dark Doorway podcast. Subscribe to our pod on Spotify so that you'll be notified when we release our next episode. And stay dark. See you then. Bye, bye, bye. Bye.